Hello and welcome back to Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. We are so happy to be back with you uh, recording. Yeah, back in the studio. Back in the studio after a very crazy week here in Texas. Mm. So um, it... If when you hear this uh, for the first time, when it's first going to um, air, it's about exactly um, two weeks before things really started to happen uh, with the winter storm that hit uh, Texas that caused so much trouble. And uh, so we both had the experience of having to go through that. Interestingly enough, we ended up uh, planning to take a week off uh, on the very uh, week that it all went down. That's so right. we probably would have had to cancel anyway. Right. So that was providential. That, that's Which I l- end up canceling my trip, by the way, too. Oh, did the you? Okay, yeah, right. But then yeah. when I saw what was happening, I'm like, okay, well, we're just not doing it. Right. So, um, but I will say, you know, when you have a period of time where you're stuck at home, and uh, maybe don't even have power, which was a, a decent part of the time for me. Although, Pam, you, you and I talked ahead of time. We both got very fortunate that we didn't have significant lengths of time without power the way some people did. Um, but, you know, when you start getting stripped of uh, those distractions that uh, power enables you to have, like, uh, you know, TV and Internet and all those sort of things, it does give you a little more time to reflect. And uh, I know that I really had something impact me profoundly as far as a concept as we were going through this uh, period of time. See, I grew up in northern New York, as I think we may have mentioned before, that that I'm a northerner. But still. Uh, But, uh, you know... Northern by birth, Texas by the grace of God. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Texan. So, but, so in the winter, the weather that we experienced during that winter storm is actually not abnormal weather for where I grew up. You know, temperatures in the teens and the twenties, that's just winter Mm. in, in the place where I grew up. And so there's no preparation that would be necessary for that. There's no, um, accommodation for, for that kind of weather, uh, that we would need to do because our homes and everything are designed to endure those kind of temperatures. And clearly in Houston or where I live or, you know, or Texas, they're not. Mm-hmm. Nor is the power grid designed to deal with uh, the things that happened there. And so it really did stri- strike me that the exact same environment or scenario uh, can be experienced in two vastly different ways, depending on how prepared you are. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, um, you know, I came up with this idea that we could talk about spiritual preparedness. I love it. Yes. So, you know, tell me about your experience. Well, okay. So I was really struck by the similarities between quarantine and the icy week, you know, mm-hmm. our winter storm. Um, some of the same things, like not able to, to participate in the sacraments, um, so spiritual communions and things like that. Um, but it did help me to really reflect on um, my favorite parts of it were... <laughs> I was one of those that was like so thankful when the power went out because no TV, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes wish that the phones were went dead at the same time, but that was not the case, you know? So there was that, that quiet that I really enjoy because that silence, as we know, is, is one of those ways in, in times it's the the language of God is silence. Right. Right. So I really appreciated those really silent times and that, 
thankful too that we had a lot of gas mm-hmm. um the fireplace was awesome the propane got us through you know in the stove as well but uh yeah i never thought about preparedness spiritually until we went through quarantine and just felt like how I needed to add a whole nother layer of spiritual preparedness when I'm away from the sacraments, which again was what that was like last week. Yeah, that is an interesting point uh, because I also had to be away from the sacraments um, for a couple of masses. So the, the first Sunday um, woke up and my neck of the woods was actually on the news as having very icy roads and, you know, there had been several accidents already and I drive 30 minutes to get to mass where I go to church. And so uh, it, it was one of these things where I was already back and forth. I was like back and forth and I was like, it'd probably be okay. I'm sure we could get there. I really don't want to miss a Sunday. Like I really, you know, it actually ended up being kind of an, interesting way that I was very um, appreciative for the command to submit to your husband because my husband, I wasn't really telling him the back and forth that was going in my head about whether or not to go to mass that morning. Um, But he spoke up and said, I would really appreciate it if you didn't go to mass. Now, for those of you who are listening and don't know this, my husband's not Catholic. So, um, he does, he often doesn't go to mass with us. And so, but he asked, would you please not go? Because, you know, I'm concerned. And so, uh, it kind of like gave me the ability to take my own sort of desire and, but then also prudence was speaking to my heart saying that maybe you shouldn't go, yeah. but I really wanted to go and just be like, okay, well in this moment I can actually just, uh, surrender that to obedience to my spouse. And so, yeah, my, my experience is very, is somewhat similar in that, that, um, I was doing the back and forth because at this point we had really frozen overpasses and things were starting to get kind of bad. And, um, so I was praying about it and I, I was like really determined to be so hardcore, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to brave the elements to right. get to mass. I'll go on my knees. Right. Yeah. And then I saw on the news, there was a, a pile up on the, on the bypass and I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> so I gave <laughs> right. up a little too easily. And, yeah. but then I did defer to my husband and say, well, what do you think about this as the protector of our household? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, that's okay. Let's not go then. You know, if there's a pileup already on the highway, then well, let's mm-hmm. not go. It's like, okay. So we yeah. didn't. And I, and I had mixed emotions about right. not being hardcore, you know? Yeah, no, because I think you probably had the same thought that I had, which is, you know, during this whole COVID time, I have been saying, look, the sacraments are essential. You know, throughout the ages, Christians have risked their lives in order to go to mass. So why should I think that I can let myself off the hook because, oh, I'm a little scared or something. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I felt the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But But I have to say, though, if you think about it, part of what's going through our mind is the reflection on what we experienced during quarantine when everything was shut down and we couldn't go to mass. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you, but for me personally, it's eroded some of that strength that I had before. It was like it was was never a question. I mean, it was just... (laughs) Never right. a question, mm-hmm. but having the shutdown then enters in the, the question. And and even when it, and there's been, 
one of our churches completely shut down and said, oh, we're not having mass this weekend. <laughs> right. I do think that that, yeah. that happens that, that more I mean, easily because there's yeah, this precedent absolutely. that's been set. That's right. So in a way, when we're talking about spiritual preparedness, you can be prepared to do things well, or you can also be prepared to compromise, to not uh, hold fast to things that, you know, previously you were more um, persevering about. Right. So I do think that that is relevant. And I think also like, you know, I did have the thought, okay, well, if I, you know, I'm choosing not to go because it is safer not to go. And my husband has asked me not to go. um, So I'm going to be obedient to that. But I was like, well, you know, we can stream it. We'll stream a mass. So we're not going to miss it completely. Yes. Right. Which is a plus and a minus. Right. Because it does make it easier to say, oh, well, I guess, you know, maybe I won't go. Let's just stream it. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, the the good that the Lord brought out of this situation of me choosing not to go to mass is that if I had gone to mass, if it had been like a beautiful day and no weather issues and I'd gone to mass as usual, my husband would not have gone with us. Mm. But when we streamed it, he stayed in the living room ah, nice. and he watched Very it with nice. us and he did all the stuff just with us mm. and he listened to the homily and everything. So I, I do, I did look blessing. at that as a way of God blessing my mm-hmm. obedience mm-hmm. and giving me something that I so desire, which is a greater unity in, in faith with my spouse. So, you know, I think that is how God can use you know, such things that are not ideal, obviously to not go to mass is not ideal. Let's say that again, to not go to mass is not ideal, not ideal ever. Right. <laughs> and so, but sometimes it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, you know, God understands the circumstances of our lives and, and we, and we'll still bring blessing upon things that are not right. necessarily ideal. Well, so given both um, the quarantine and then the ice week um, in talking about spiritual preparedness, it made me really reflect on what more can I do if I am I'm not able to get to the sacraments? How can I feel more or it's very difficult for me to feel more connected without mm-hmm. the mass or without confession. Um, but just think of a different way to try and be more prepared to me was like increasing the spiritual reading. That was like number one on my list Mm -hmm. is picking up some of my, um, you know, fulfillment of all desire is one of my favorites. I could read over and over again because it's the wisdom of the saints. So I felt like I was, I'm always being coached through that. Always. Of course I got my Magnificat and reading the readings, which that happens whether I'm able to go to mass or not. Mm-hmm. Um, really contemplating spirit, the spiritual communion. Like I, I've, I've struggled because I was so I was hurt by the closure of mm-hmm. the, of the um, churches during quarantine. It was, there was something really deep in my soul that hurt, was hurting. And so I was a little bit, you know, impotent, impotent child inside <laughs> about the, well, I know you can do a spiritual communion, but eh, it should be open, you know? Mm-hmm. So getting maybe, over maybe that. Maybe the word is petulant that you're oh, looking for. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah, you're right. Um, what is it? My, uh, my mother-in-law, I can't believe, you know, I can't remember what she said. Anyway, so it makes me really re-examine 
other ways that Christ is drawing us closer to himself and prayer definitely being one of them um, and sacrifice being one of them and being able to have a right perspective on all of that were different ways that I started trying to, to grow um, impudent. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, trying to grow in other directions um, to expand the way that I pray because you know, after you do a certain routine for so long, it's like that muscle is strong. So what mm-hmm. do you do to add more strength in other areas? Like what's the next type of workout you need to do? In my case, spiritual reading, journaling, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's really on track with what you're talking about, spiritual preparedness. That's more of what I can do to 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 to, to draw closer to Christ when I am not able to receive the sacraments. Right. I do think that um, it is on track in the sense that, you know, if you're talking about whenever, anytime that you are looking at preparing for something, like you have to know what you're preparing for in order to prepare for it. Right. So, you know, given the situation with the cold weather, for example, I can imagine that there are some plans being drafted that if this happens again in Texas, how are we going to do things differently so that we don't run into the same problem that we had this past time? And, you know, as it relates to the, you know, the weather and up where I grew up, you know that you're going to experience these t- kind of temperatures. And so you put into place the measures that will help you to endure them. So I think before we can talk anything about how to prepare, you have to ask yourself, what are you preparing for in the spiritual life? Right. But you know, Megan, I think it just, it bodes just kind of having the thought that we had no clue anything could ever happen like COVID. Right. But now we know. And that's the thing. I mean, I think, you know, often we are very, God is so merciful, right? Mm. And the words on the cross from Christ, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Well, you know, the reality is, is that he is incredibly merciful when it comes to our ignorance. In fact, I read something, um, there's this beautiful little book. It's a little book um, by... um, Venerable Bishop Fulton Sheen, and it's a, it's a meditation on the last seven words of Christ. And he talks about, when he's talking about that, he talks so much about how a big part of our saving grace is our ignorance. Because if we knew what we were really doing, mm-hmm. our culpability would be so much more significant. And this is why the angels, when they made their choice for or against God, it was eternal because they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew the consequences of what they were doing. They knew the implications of it completely and they made their choice and that choice became eternal because of their knowledge. And we are so limited in our knowledge that we have much greater mercy extended to us because of our ignorance. But the reality is, is that when you go into a place out of ignorance into knowledge, then you become much more responsible for the choices that you make subsequent to that. So yeah, you're right. We had no idea 
that something like COVID would happen, that would our churches would be shut down? Right. What? Like that never it. happened in the history of the Catholic Church. Even during times of major plagues where death percentages were like 30 percent, you know, they're still having masses. So we never would have imagined. But now we can imagine that those things can happen, did happen. And if we want to move forward in faithfulness, we have to ask ourselves, okay, I mean, in Texas, we're blessed. The churches have reopened. We can go to mass again. But if something comes down where they want to start making these choices again of saying, we're going to shut down the churches, we're not going to have mass, how are we prepared to respond knowing that that's a possibility now? Because the Lord will hold us more that's responsible. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of your recommendations. Well, for me, I, th- I think this idea that you were talking about where when you make choices that say it's not safe to go to mass and that becomes something that becomes more and more comfortable, mm-hmm. then it, the uh, bar can drop, you know, a lot faster as to what you consider making you feel too uncomfortable to go to mass and to which point it can actually just be a total act of sensuality Absolutely, to say, you know what, I just don't feel comfortable going to mass today. That's right. You know, and so we have to be on our guard about those things and the way that we can prepare to be more faithful when those challenges come in my mind is to work on growing in a greater appreciation for the reality of what is happening at mass, what we are receiving in the Eucharist to increase our longing for it, to increase our reverence for it, to increase our understanding of its absolute necessity for our spiritual health and be very ordered towards honoring that reality. I think for that particular issue, those are the things I would say are about being prepared is to understand the truth of what it is that happens on that altar. Right. So when we're prepared and it's taken away from us though, and we're at home you know, like we were this past week, did you do anything differently per se? Was it anything different? Yeah, I find that when I am separated from receiving Christ physically, like I am more drawn into like trying to find ways to connect with him spiritually. Like there are some sites like say on YouTube where they have perpetual adoration. So I find that when I am in a place where I am unable to go to mass, I will in at night often, like I'll turn that on and have that image of a monstrance, which is happening in real time and try to spend some time in adoration, um, in that manner. That is beautiful. I I just want to thank you for that suggestion. We did that during quarantine, but it's just slipped my radar since then. And that's, that was quite beautiful. And uh, moving. I was like kind of surprised that even through the TV, it could be so moving to, yeah. to feel so near the body of Christ. And one of the things that, you know, could be a, like I said, like the way that God can bless you, even when something's not ideal, because obviously it, 
to do Eucharistic adoration in the actual physical presence of Christ is the ideal. But when you're doing it virtually, um, one of the blessings that God can give, I found, is that you, in the freedom and the um, sort of privacy of your own home, you can feel often freer to do more physical expressions of adoration that you maybe would feel a little more reticent to do if you were in a public adoration chapel. So, you know, like prostrating in front of, in front of it, or, or, you know, just really like speaking out loud in, in your praises and, and, you know, um, bowing in in very, you know, profound reverent ways. I, I think, I love the fact that there are some people who are so super comfortable doing those things, even in a public setting. I don't know about you, Pam, but I find that um, it's often folks from like Hispanic cultures and Asian cultures tend to be more free with their physical expression of adoration, um, whereas uh, Caucasian people, uh, this is obviously a stereotype, but it's something that I've experienced as being quite regular, tend to be much more let's say buttoned up reserved reserved in in their their physical expressions of adoration and but i am a really i tend to be a very physical person when it comes to prayer like i have this very strong sort of reverence for the connection between the spiritual and the physical in fact you know something that god really used in my conversion and helped me come to understand why the eucharist is what it is um so this idea of just really getting my body involved in my prayer um, is is a blessing to me. And the reason I wouldn't do it, tend to do it more in a more public setting is less because I feel uncomfortable from a, a standpoint of embarrassment as it is. I know that it is distracting for many people. Like not everybody has the response that I have, which is like, Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I love to see somebody do that. Some people are like really uncomfortable with it. And so I would hate to steal from somebody, um, time and adoration by, you know, having them come to those kind well, of thoughts. I have but. to say that this reminds me of a sweet little story is, um, this has been quite a while back in the adoration chapel. There was a young man that would go in during his hour. It was his, you know, he was the guardian for that hour and he would go in and play his guitar mm-hmm. and sing to Jesus. You know, oh, that's I, a, that. a I, great, sing a lot. Yeah. I know likewise. I mean, that's really fills me mm-hmm. as well. And some of the parishioners had kind of complained, you mm-hmm. know, that this is, uh, that was too distracting. And this particular priest, he was the opinion, this is his hour with Jesus. And if this is how he chooses to express mm-hmm. himself, I'm good with it. Right. And so, which I thought was really beautiful. Cause I think there should be that fr- more freedom to express ourselves in that hour. Now, if it was my hour and he came in, that'd be different. <laughs> Maybe perhaps, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, yeah. But if I was the guardian of that hour mm-hmm. and wanted to lay prostrate and I would disrupt other people, then it's like, you know, that's kind of okay. I mean, that's, right. that's, that's where I'm going with that one. If it's my mm-hmm. hour. Yeah. And, you know, but what a great the question of whether someone owns an hour simply because they're signed up for it. That could be another discussion. But but as far as I think getting back to the topic of preparedness, one of the things that I find that people are often maybe ordered towards is that they're not really cognizant of what their goal of the Christian life is. Hmm. Like to have an intentionality about your faith and what 
what are you trying to accomplish <laughs> as a Christian? Like, what are your goals as Christians? Like, because, like I said, if you don't know what you're preparing for, you're not going to prepare well. Right. And so I think that reflection, too, not just, you know, already talking about just coming to understand Christ more fully in, in the Eucharist and his love for us and draw nearer to him spiritually, but ask, ask oneself, who am I called to be as a Christian and what does it take in order to be ready to be that person? You know, we did that um, uh, podcast once where we we were talking about evangelization and, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about that beautiful um, verse from St. Peter's always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is within you. Right. And so that idea of, okay, he, what he's saying is, Part of Christian preparation, a big part of Christian preparation is to be ready to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. And so when we talk about our own preparation, can we look at our lives and say, am I doing the things necessary to be prepared to be the witness that God calls me to be in any right. given circumstances. Which I want to kind of add to that part. And we, in the subsequent weeks, we'll actually kind of tackle this in the podcast. And that is a reflection on virtue in yourself. Because when you talk about that kind of preparedness to be a witness to the world, to me, it comes in the form of virtue and the joy that comes from uh, reducing sin in your life and drawing closer to Christ. So I think those are really important tools to be evangelical, to be prepared in the world. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, the quarantine times or, you know, the, the stuff we've been dealing with COVID, um, you have expressed that it's been very difficult for you often to see people who, you know, you know, are devout Christians and yet are living in so much anxiety and very focused on, you know, fear and everything and how that's kind of it hurts my heart. Hurts your heart mm. has, has, you know, made you like confused as to what's really going on there. And I think that is an example of if you're ordered towards being prepared to be a witness in whatever circumstances God brings in your life. When difficult circumstances come, you don't succumb to behaviors that will actually detract from your witness. So to live, go around feeling, being totally ordered towards fear, you know, trying to protect your temporal existence and ignoring the um, spiritual reality of eternal perspective, well, that's not being who you're called to be as a Christian witness in the world. And so I would say that for those folks who haven't really taken within themselves that call to make disciples of all nations, to be ordered towards being witnesses in the world to the power and the glory of Jesus Christ, if then they haven't prepared to deal with circumstances in a way where they ask themselves, what does being a good witness in this time, in these challenges, what does that yes. look like? Yes, yes. You know, I think that's something we should be contemplating every day because I will challenge you too that that's not going to look the same year to year even. It no, may it won't. Not. Yeah. Like this year or last year, mm-hmm. this year can look very differently than it did in years before. Right. That is true. And I think that the Lord, um, he, you know, in scripture, he's often 
telling people about things that will happen in the future, difficult things that will happen in the future. Now, he's not, I don't think he was telling people that stuff so that he that to just to scare them or anything. No, I think he told them you will have difficulty in this world. There will be tribulation. These things will happen. Because he wanted us to prepare for them. Yes, yes. He wanted us not to be surprised, but to be ready. Mm-hmm. So we ask ourselves now, I think in this, how am I ready to deal with things that may be increasingly difficult, harder than ice storms, harder than COVID? Right. Well, I, I have another thing that came to mind that was a kind of a light that I had during quarantine too, if, in I'd like to speak to it. You could probably fill in some blanks, but during the mass, Christ comes to us in several different ways through the priest, Mm -hmm. through the Eucharist, through the word of God. Am I missing one? Am I missing one? But it's through the word of God. So I was contemplating that's the way that Christ comes to us. Mm -hmm. Well, when we are in our homes, as we were in 2020 in this past week, we still have the word of God. Oh yeah. We can pick it up right there and let him love us through his scripture. People need to really understand that he's there in the living word Mm -hmm. to reach us and grab us and love us if we'll let him. Yeah. I love that, you know, phrase, the word of God is living and active, (laughs) you know, and, and that preparation, that's an active Word like to prepare is to be actively engaged in a process of readiness, you know. And so, yeah, he, I, the Lord didn't write down anything. He spoke to his disciples. He spoke to his apostles. But the Holy Spirit, you know, he breathed forth the scriptures and allowed it to be written down so that we could continue to be blessed by it. And if we're not taking that amazing fruit of the Holy Spirit and and really eating it, just to consume the word, consume it, that is our spiritual food when we... You know, Christ, of course, himself is the source and summit, right, of spiritual food. Mm -hmm. But the word of God is spiritual food as well. And so in and that never can be taken away from us. Right. And so that might be another thing like, okay, say you have no power and you can't even like get out your Bible. Well, maybe you part of your spiritual preparation would be let's memorize some scripture. Right. right. And so that we or can have a flash call on those. <laughs> well, a flashlight too. Right. Of course. But like, even if you were in total darkness, yes, the light of the word of God should be living in your heart. Right. Which is why also that the rosary is such a perfect prayer mm. second only to the mass <laughs> itself, because it is a contemplation of the gospels. Yeah. I think I, that brings to mind like, um, the story of uh, Immaculate Ilibagaza. Oh, love her. <clears throat> Excuse me. Great book. You know, she uh, was in Rwanda during the genocide. And th- this woman was, I think it was about three or four months where she and a group of I think, like 10 other people were stuck in a teeny bathroom, hidden, waiting for things to die down so that they could come back out and not be like murdered. They were being hid by a um, a Protestant pastor. Actually, was hiding them, and but they were. You know, she is Catholic, and she talks about how she prayed the Rosary just like over and over and over again. And that's another thing as far as preparation. You know, there's times when we're just in such a place of difficulty and desolation that 
we need to have those go-to places of prayer yes. that we, you know, that we can just, even when we don't have the words, we can allow the words that the church has given us to supply so what true. is lacking. Um, in the rosary, I, I always tell like uh, my children, especially and close friends who say they're struggling with prayer says, you know what? The rosary is your safety net. If you're in desolation and you can't get anything done, you feel dry, say your rosary. It's even more efficacious during those times of desolation. Yeah. Oh, and I also, I am a huge fan of the Chaplet of Divine Mercy as well. Oh, so yes, like when you're in course. a place of suffering, I mean, it just speaks to that, yes, you know, and that's uh, a great reminder, really powerful as well. So you know, maybe we'll uh, wrap it up for this episode. I think there's more to be said, um, you know, more specifics about, you know, things that we could do to be prepared. But I would just say, as we're leaving this, the the big question I would leave with uh, folks who are listening is decide what you're preparing for in your life. Mm. What are you preparing for? To How do you want to live? Who do you want to be? What do you, what do you want your witness to be in this world, regardless of circumstances? And once you define that, I think the Lord will be able to lead you better on how to prepare to be that. Right. And just some practical tips for someone like me, who's like, I just like a, like a one, two, three, what are some ways, you know, draw closer to the word of God in the Bible. That's always there with you. You can just dive in and let him love you through that increase the different types of ways that you pray. Megan mentioned during this podcast, you know, even with adoration through the television, should you have electricity, that's a different way to do it. Adoration, um, spiritual readings, always Mm. so, so very, very profound when you're talking about the saints. Like that's why God gave us the saints so we could learn from their witness. And so those are three just super practical ways, in my opinion, that you can be prepared, um, which really at the end of the day is drawing closer to Christ because the closer you are centered to him, the more peace and fulfillment that you're going to have. And I would just add, add some, pack on some spiritual pounds. You know, if you're, if you're going into like, you know how like, um, bears like before they go into hibernation they eat a lot right go to mass go to mass regularly and receive the eucharist as much as you can pack on those spiritual pounds because when times of famine come and they will come you will have the reserves I love that, Megan. What a great imagery. So let's just be mama bears, okay? (laughs) We're going to be mama bears and pack on the spiritual pounds. Mama and papa bears. All right. Well, thank you all so much for uh, tuning in today and listening to this podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. And if you were blessed by it, we hope you'll share. Um, And until next time, God bless. God bless.